for a few minutes. I want to continue to push us down this path tonight to his table. Um, the night that Jesus was betrayed, um, he sat down with his disciples to have uh, a very sacred and solemn meal. It was a Passover meal, and um, a couple years ago, we, we went through a kind of a sample of what that would be like, and we had a table up here with the different parts, different elements of the Seder Supper, and I went through each of the things that, and kind of did all the, uh, I guess, the, the readings and how the father would read something, and sometimes the mother would read something, and the, the family would together would recite scripture and stuff, and everything on the table uh, was symbolic of, of the ways that God had taken care of of Israel over the years, and they would celebrate that. And um, when Jesus gathered together with his disciples, that's what they were expecting to do. They had done this before, certainly being um, good uh, Jewish uh, boys. They probably grew up um, taking part in this meal. So when Jesus told them where he wanted to have the Passover meal, and, uh, you know, this is where you need to have it, and they got everything set up, and they pretty much knew what was going to happen because they had seen it happen before. And um, so... Uh, unless you grew up in a, in a Jewish household or taking part in a Seder supper, it, it probably uh, we probably all struggle to connect with how weird this probably was for them. Um, what we are about to do and what Jesus did with these uh, very uh, sacred and symbolic um, elements that were on the table, um, and and so the, probably they were going through the meal as normal and they were um, you know discussing and they were were. Um, enjoying their time together, reflecting on what God had done uh, for their ancestors and what he was doing for them. And it says um, here in verse 23, kind of jumps into it. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup and after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so Jesus, what he does is he takes and he adds to this sacred meal that they were a part of. He, um, he what we know now, you know, on our side of the cross, is we know that he is, is completing the story. The things that were symbolic on that table were about, were about the things that God had done and about the, the old covenant and and how God had taken care of, of Israel, but now he was bringing something new to the table. And so what Jesus did, when he, when he took that and he broke it and he said, this is my body, and that went on the script. You know, that, was, that was new for them. Jesus was, was completing the storyline and allowing us to step into that. And the elements that he has, you know, there's, there's bread and there's wine, um, I was just kind of praying through, you know, just how do we, you know, how do we do this tonight? You know, how is tonight unique um, from the other times that we've done it, but also how is it, you know, the same? And last Sunday we looked at Ephesians 2 and we talked about being um, children of wrath and objects of wrath and how Jesus on the cross 
uh, absorbed all that wrath for us and how we were dead. And uh, I talked about like dead tree limbs at the end of your driveway. Um, that's how we were. Nothing those limbs can do to come back to life. They, they, are, they are dead. They're cut off from the life source. And how what God did was God took us as we were dead and he made us alive in, in Christ. Jesus taking that wrath for us and he connected us, reconciled us, connected us back to the trunk. And so the life of God flows into us now. Um, I think when, when Jesus ha- had that bread and he, was, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. I think one of the things that, that we have to, to keep in mind is, is the redemption that came from him offering his life. Uh, let me throw a couple of verses up on the screen. Um, I don't remember what's next. Oh, yeah, okay. Romans 6, verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. See, the, here, here's Jesus, and he's, he's showing them this bread, and he's like, this is my body, which is for you. And then he breaks it. His life being broken. Um, redemption is, is when you pay a price for the release of someone or something that is under some sort of oppression. And this verse shows us that our oppression was, was to sin. We were dead limbs and we were laying there on the, the driveway and we're cut off from the life source and we're objects of wrath. But also, I mean, we're, we're not just like, like inconvenienced by sin. We're talking about enslavement, complete bondage, um, complete oppression. And when, when Jesus offered up his life, Mark, uh, Mark 10.45 says this, For even the Son of Man came not to, to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus takes that bread and he breaks it. And when we, in a little while, have that cracker, that unleavened bread in our hand, we know that that is symbolic of the life that was exchanged for us that we were redeemed, that we were under this oppression and someone had to pay a price and Jesus was like, well, that's going to be me. And the price was not, it wasn't money, it wasn't you know, works, it wasn't anything. It was his very life to give his life as a ransom for many. So imagine that you're there and all of a sudden, you know, like Jesus deviates from the script and takes this bread and says, this is my body, it's for you. And he breaks it. And probably then they were like, okay, that was kind of weird. I guess he forgot how this supper's supposed to roll, you know. Um, but then a couple of days later, when they're watching him getting beat to death, I wonder if they were like, ah, broken bread. Life for life. And so Jesus, you know, he says, look, every time you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. Do this so that you do not forget what I've done. You know, and there are those, there are those vertical and horizontal you know, things that, to be reminded of. You know, the vertical just being like, look, look at what Jesus did for us to bring glory to God the Father. I mean, that was his primary objective, uh, to, bring, to reconcile us to himself so that he could be glorified. And so Jesus is saying, don't you forget what I did, because he wants, he wants them to look good. He wants, like, the cross is supposed to make him look so great and so amazing and so powerful and so full of grace and so full of mercy. 
He's like, you do this, and you don't you forget. There's also the horizontal reminders, too, of, like, don't, don't forget that, that the ransom has been paid for your life. That you walk in newness of life. That there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't you forget what I've done, what my life bought you. And so as we do this tonight, we're supposed to have both of those things in mind. We're supposed to hold that bread and we're supposed to say, like, God just blows me away. I'm in awe of who he is and what he has done. And we're also supposed to say, I'm in awe of what I am and who I am now because of that. He says, do this every time you do it in remembrance of me. And so we don't, we don't approach this real, like, super casually, or it's like, yeah, you know, we, it's what we do all the time and whatever. No, no, it's supposed to be pretty serious. And you can be, you can be joyful and be serious at the same time. He says, this is, my, this is my body, which is for you. And he takes the cup. In verse 25, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. There's this cup, and he's talking about this is the new covenant in my blood, which may not make a lot of sense, but in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. In the Old Testament, um, you would, you would bring like a goat or um, a lamb or uh, a bull uh, or a bird, depending on uh, how sinful you had been, uh, which is probably really awesome. Imagine like, like you know, the church parking lot, everybody, now everybody walks in and can't really tell what kind of week you've had. Imagine you're like Old Testament, you know, and you're like, another bull week, <laughs> you know. <laughs> how horrible would that be? <laughs> and you got like, I got a pigeon, huh? you know. Those people too. Bring the animal into the priest, and the priest would would lay his hand on the head of of the animal, and that would symbolically transfer your sin onto this animal. So instead of you being guilty, now the animal was guilty, and then they would uh, they kill it. And it was not this like a it wasn't like euthanasia. I mean they slaughtered it because it was the blood on the altar. That's what covered sin. That was, was the system that God set in place. Was there, there had to be bloodshed. And he created, up this, he created this substitutionary system where you didn't have to go and die in the Old Testament. You just brought your best animal, the ones that were, were perfect and there was no blemishes on them and the ones that were going to cost you, the ones that you would get the most for if you were selling them at the market. You bring that in. If your kids mess up, it's going to cost you your best bull. It must have been horrible to be like a teenager. <laughs> and that transfer, transfer of guilt and the requirement of, of bloodshed, bring that into this table full of Jewish young men. And when Jesus has this cup of wine and he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. Every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Again, maybe it didn't click right away. Maybe it wasn't until 
they saw the amount of blood that crucifixion brings out of a body. I wonder if then they were like, wow. That's what he was talking about. Hebrews chapter 9, look at what it says. It says, For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. All right? Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. Then he would have had to suffer, suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. Here it is. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's a lot of, a lot of important stuff there. What he's basically saying is priests had to go every year. and all, there, there were temporary sacrifices, temporary atonement, temporary forgiveness. So Jesus just did it once, once for all. He's like, you know what? Forget all that. Like you know, every month, every trimester, every uh, trimester, <laughs> every. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, forget all that stuff. I'm just gonna do it one time. It's just gonna count. Okay. I'm gonna take it all, and it's gonna count. Once for all, by sacrificing himself. And so when we start to put all these pieces together. And we see what Jesus did on the cross as um, reconciling us to God, joining us to God again, life source flowing into us. Um, we were objects of wrath that he took upon himself. Um, we owed this price. The wages of sin is death, like we talked about last week. God has to annihilate sin, and we are the carriers of sin. Um, then, but Jesus gave his life as the ransom uh, for many, and his own blood was was shed that day to cover the sins that he fulfilled everything in the Old Testament that was required for atonement, but he did it in a way where it's just once for all and it's done. And so we don't have to go to the priest with the animal anymore. We, Jesus is the high priest. He took care of it himself. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. And I really think it's it's... It's two things. One, um, he, he created us, and so he knows how easily we forget. And also, Jesus walked the earth, and he had that body of flesh. I think he's experienced how easily we are distracted, and we take off in different directions. And we, uh, like it says in Isaiah 53, we're all sh- like sheep who have just gone off into nowhere, you know. Find that, Jesus says, all right, you're going to do this, and he... Um, installed this into the life of the church so that we would never, ever forget the most important thing in life. And so tonight, what we do when we partake of this bread and this juice, um, we step into this thread of history. And for hundreds of years, believers just like us who fought the same struggles and have had to live in this terrible world and are who are just striving for God to be glorified in their lives and to be transformed into his life. Well, hundreds of years, they've been doing this very thing that we do tonight, all for one reason, that we would not forget. I, th- I really think that's why the church has, has made it. Um, by God's providence and his sovereignty and his power, he's made it. But I think this ritual has helped bring everybody back to center. Like an orchestra that, that tunes... A, a tune to this same note, the same frequency. It's A440. If you've ever been to an orchestra concert, 
um, especially if you're an LSU student and you like have to go. Uh, the, the oboe player comes out and she stands there and she plays this note and all of a sudden everybody like starts to line up. You have all these instruments and everybody's all scattered out all, all over the place and everybody's kind of in tune, blah, 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 and this one person comes out, she plays this one note. And everybody just slowly comes together and they all get on that same note. So when they begin to play, they're all in tune with that same frequency. That's kind of what the Lord's Supper does. Brings us back and centers us on what's important. So I'm going to ask you tonight to take this seriously. Not get in a hurry. There's, there's enough chaos in life, isn't there? There's enough rushing through life. There's enough, you know, watching the clock for when you're going to get out of church because you've got this whole list of things to do. And There's enough of that. And any other Sunday, go for it. But I think tonight, I think because of what this is symbolic of, I think we need to just take our time. So here's, here's kind of how we do it at the ring. Um, we're going to let you come up and get the stuff when you're ready. Um, the passage after this, it says um, in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, Whoever uh, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Just, we're going to give you some time to sort through the, the, the things that are going on in your life. This might be like, maybe you and God are, you feel like you're miles apart. Well, before you come up here, God says, hey, let's, let's, let's come back together. Maybe there's some things that you need to repent of. Maybe there's some some Things are undealt with. What's awesome about God is that you know, it doesn't take nine weeks of therapy. It takes one conversation with him. One prayer. Just one prayer of faith. So maybe it's between you and God. Maybe it's between you and some other people. Uh, we've had people uh, leave before and go make phone calls to their parents or to their friends or to people that have, have broken relationships with, and then they run back in and run to the front, you know, because they're so pumped. Um, this is just a, a great time of reconciliation, restoration, whether it's horizontal or vertical, that's up to you. So here's, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. Um, there's going to be some music kind of going through the, this time. And um, when you're ready, you come up to the table, and we usually kind of circle the wagons like this way, one of these, right? And uh, you come up, get the bread, get the juice, go back to where you're seated, and then just, just wait, and we'll all take it together. It's going to be really good, okay? All right, let me pray for us. And we're just going to flow ahead. And uh, we'll see you all when it's done, all right?